0: Welcome to another edition of Turned Out a Punk. I'm your host, Damien Abraham, and once again, I'm bringing you a conversation with someone who grew up listening to punk, may or may not still be involved in punk, but had their life changed by the genre in a major way. And today on the show, back to normal, back to one guest, and it is one incredibly awesome guest to kick it off. We have today on the show, Cool AD, a amazing rapper, also a member of a, a punk Hardcore band, Party Animal, more on that in a second. And also, former member of DOS Racist, more on that also in a second. If you want to get in touch with me, though, please head over to DamienAbraham.com. There's an email address there. You can send me an email. You can also find me on various forms of social media, at LeftfordDamien. If you would like to get in touch with me in the immediate f- way, I guess, beyond that social media stuff, and use Facebook, you can go over to Facebook.com, and there's a Turned Out of Punk Facebook page. If you don't use Facebook like myself and you want to see some of the cool stuff that we post on that Facebook page, you can go over to turnedoutapunk.tumblr.com, where we also post some of the cool stuff that gets sent into the show on that thing there. If you'd like to support the show, the best way to do that, if you use iTunes, is to subscribe to the show over on that said iTunes thing, and also write a review and rate the show. While you're over there, you will see that there are some other podcasts in the Turned Out of Punk. Family. There is Oil and Flowers, which is hosted by Buddha Blaze and myself, where we talk about cannabis. There is Clobbering Time, hosted by Tom Bryan and myself, where we talk about wrestling. And then, of course, there is Turned Out of Punk Footnotes, where each week Chris O'Toole and myself dissect an episode of Turned Out of Punk. And we'll have a lot to get to after this week's show. I assure you... Also fucked up is going to be going on a tour of the west coast of the United States and I think we're playing a show in Canada as well up there in Vancouver my favorite part of the world to kind of tour uh you can come and see us on well you know recent news stuff has kind of hampered that i in a major way but you know but you know we're going to be celebrating our record oh boy it all feels so uh <sighs> Anyway, uh, <laughs> please come see Fucked Up on the Hidden World Live Tour and escape to a time 10 years ago when uh, none of this seemed possible at all or plausible or, or uh, uh, like an, 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 an just a nightmare back then. It was just a, just, just a nightmare. Um, anyway, so please come out and check out that Hidden World Live Tour. You can go to fuckedup.cc to get tickets for those shows. Uh, that was a really awkward plug. For my band's tour. Uh, speaking of awkward plugs, also you can check out all the stuff I do over at Vice.com, including the Terminal of Death documentary and and the Canvas stuff. I'm going to get more stuff coming out there in the near future. But uh, that's it for the plugs. Now on to today's show. Today on the show, one of one of my favorite artists, one of the people I think is uh, truly. Truly inspiring in so many ways. The person I'm talking about, of course, is Cool AD. He is a rapper. He is a musician who played in uh, several punk and hardcore bands over the years. And someone that I got to meet uh, one of the first interviews I actually got to do when I was posting The Wedge way back when on Much Music. And during that course of the interview and kind of leading up that interview doing research, that was. <laughs> It was early on into my tenure as a VJ back when I thought you needed to do research before you did an interview. But anyway, I did a lot of research for that interview, and uh, read a lot of interviews with Cool AD and 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 actually the rest of DOS races too. And I, you know, there's few groups of people that were as intelligent and as kind of uh, creative and as kind of. Uh, unfortunately miscast by their first breakout single. We talk about this in the show. I'm not going to blather on too much more. All I can tell you is this is a good one. And I would like to apologize for two things. First of all, I'd like to apologize for the windy windy bay area weather. Uh just pretend like you're there, you know, fighting against the elements with cool AD. Um and uh I'd also like to apologize for my enthusiasm and <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's also to blame on the connection a little bit, but I think I, I jump on a lot of what Cool A.D. is saying. So, anyway, sit back, relax, and enjoy Turned Out a Punk with Cool A.D. Oh, well, as I was just saying to you off the air, this is a huge deal to finally have happen on the show, my friend, because as actually... I call you Cool ad right? Like,
1: it's like wrestling. Yeah. I call you by your stage name. I don't refer <laughs> you to you by your, your birth yeah. name, right? Yeah. Okay, I so... Mean, yeah, it's fine. I mean, a lot of fools do. I mean, you can call me Victor, too, if you want. Well, no, because like I know in wrestling, if you call someone by their real name, they get really upset. Yeah, I guess uh, some people got like a, some sort of hang-up about that. I'm I'm kind of free easy. I used to feel, like, weirdly awkward when fools called me by my, my little, you know, especially... But I prefer it now to... Someone just being, "Hey, Victor," and I'm like, "Who the hell are you?" <laughs> exactly. So now, it's like, it's- at, yeah, at so- least, yeah, at least you like understand they're approaching you from from that angle. Like, yeah, well, absolutely. Is, like, a fan of your stuff or whatever, and then you're like, "Oh, okay, this is that type of dude, not some random fool I might have met before." So you know,
0: <laughs> well, yeah, you never yeah. want to be that guy that just like you know, it's overly presumptuous assuming that you can call someone by their real name. But I think, yeah. Exactly. It, it kind of like you know, like who would have called Jello by his real name, like Jello by Yeah. Or, or, or like yeah, who, who would be calling uh, Biggie Smalls Chris or something? Yeah, exactly. So. But
1: that's the thing is like when it's like fools, like I guess we yeah, like we know each other like that, but I guess it's always been via some music stuff. I think yeah. So, so it is yeah. No, nah, I'm not even. It doesn't even like it's It used to even be weird, like the difference between. But I guess it's been how the years where I'm not having been driven about it. No. Okay.
0: Well, I I appreciate you, Cool AD, being on the show because I'm a yeah. huge yeah. fan. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, yeah I say, well, thank you, man. And I got to say, this is like, you know, I think finding out that you were in a punk and like, you know, play in a punk band too, and all this kind of stuff, like that, to me was was so awesome because it just reinforced, like, reinforced my theory about how many cool people having somehow, some way been involved in this music, you know, in oh, yeah, all yeah. different walks of life. So I kind of want to find out how that walk of life started, which is
1: cool. ad how'd you get in punk? Do you remember the first time you ever came across the genre? Uh, I'm trying to think. I feel like it was kind of like, I mean, I guess the Bay Area has like a pretty big punk scene. I think I was always like sort of aware of at least the style of music and et cetera, et cetera. I'd say probably the first punk, album or cd i ever listened to was uh was misfit static age i'm pretty sure it was the homie warren brought it over some fools had played it for him and he was like he went out bought the cd and he fucking he was like hella juiced off it i was like oh yeah this is tight holy shit you know because this really doesn't sound like then i kind of was like okay so that's what this genre is and then i kind of from there you know obviously dick kennedy's is huge in the bay so Mm -hmm got into them had you like had you seen it on tv or any of that sort of stuff prior to like on M T V or anything yeah i must have seen something on mtv because it wasn't like there wasn't any sort of like big epiphany moment it like was always like a thing i was aware of Mm -hmm. but i think listening to that misfits album was like the first time i really like sat down and heard like an entire punk album and i was like oh shit okay and it's, then, amazing. Um, it's amazing the yeah. Misfits come up all the time on this show and it's
0: like it's kinda of like an odd uh, my my running theory is that they are simultaneously the greatest punk
1: band of all time and not at yeah. all a punk band. Yeah, they're basically not a punk band. Yeah. True. Yeah. But they definitely they're like the gateway drug. Like, yeah. But the music is like the best music possible, but like yeah. but yeah, anyway, yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah for so sure. it's like a shoe op band but with distortion. Yeah. And like yeah. it's yeah, you know, it's like but it's like the distortion is enough. it's like perfect, and <laughs> like that distortion like sets the tone and your the palette for you to really like fuck with all types of punk after that absolutely, and the fact that you know like just the historically and who they played with and where they played, you know it's a good intro mm-hmm. to the thing mm-hmm. but um you know I guess uh then I guess you know there was a there was like a record shop a few blocks from where I stayed in Alameda called access records okay and um they like you know they had a big punk section the dude that ran it was like this satanist punk dude <laughs> joe frankie um who actually had a band that still i think they still play sometimes fracas it's like kind of like yeah they play like once a year now pretty much like he moved to virginia i want to say oh and he comes back to the bay and they play in the bay like once a year but uh, were were like really like a rec. Gilman band or what kind of? Where they were they played, played they played Gilman a few times, but they were more like um, I don't know if you know like other venues in the Bay. They played like, burnt ramen a couple yeah, times. Yeah, okay,
0: burnt ramen, more of a burnt ramen type
1: band, I guess. Though. Yeah, slaughterhouse, chop shop. They were like, yeah, they were like, I would say like you kind of think of like Gilman as like the misfits of punk venues in the Bay, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they, they're like the next step in, you know, they were, yeah. they're doing the slightly like the cooler warehouses that, but, like, less people knew about and shit.
0: Dude, I played but, my fair share. I've, I've gone from the Misfits all the way down to the
1: spaz of Barry. Oh, sh- bruh, spaz. I went to the last spaz show at Gilman, actually. Oh, I wanted that, to go
0: so badly.
1: Oh, my bed. God. That was literally one of the best shows to this day. I must have been, like, 15 years old, 16 years old, maybe. It's to this day, one of the best shows, hands down, I've ever fucking seen was that last spaz show, man. They, like, open with zodiac that first joint off uh, of oh. and it was literally just like straight like the fucking cd like i was at a fucking metallica concert it was <laughs> insane dude i was like how the fuck and then they just killed it for like it must have been like two hours it felt like oh <laughs> it could have been like an hour, i don't know it was crazy dude <laughs>
0: it was i think a, a two-hour spaz set
1: year. would be every song they ever Yeah, exactly, right? (laughs) No, the the thing is, yeah, they have like hundreds of songs, but yeah, it's probably about like a three-hour discography, too. (laughs) That's like, uh, who's the one that's like that? Uh, Charles Bronson. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, man, that like, you just put on the discography like a long-ass album, like a triple album, and it's, uh, man, Charles Bronson, (laughs) definitely, like, it was like we were playing like kind of more, New Earth Creeps was the first one we was in. Well, actually, no. Before that, it was Vlad and the Impalers, we, which was... Yeah, I think, actually... So your first band's Vlad and we, the Impalers? We practiced as the dorkestra for a second. Oh, <laughs> uh, and then this other fool. Yeah. You know, we had, like, a few uh, titles, but I think the first... yeah, No, we did two Dorchestra shows. My fault. And then we did... Uh, with another fool, we did Vlad and the Impalers, so... But that was the one that stuck. We did hella shows as Vlad and the Impalers, you know, over at Access Records and house parties and shit like that. Well, yeah, because uh, I guess like we jumped way ahead because I kind uh, yeah. of get back to
0: like so you, you started hanging around Access Records and, and looking at the punk section. So I guess at this point where you kind of like
1: already kind of knowing there's a local scene happening, or uh, yeah, well they do shows at, at Access Records actually. They so they'd have shows, so I'd see like hella little local bands. Yeah. And, like, uh, what was the first know, show like you ever the, saw? Do you remember? shoot i can't even remember to be honest it might have been um monster squad okay which was like they kind of like were like casualty style uh i mean uh yeah well casualty style like spiky hair like straight up real like punk rock shit yeah yeah you know like they all had like the the whole thing all the gear and all that shit they're like kids out of i want to say like hayward or something like you know it's kind of like out in the the suburbs, but like the Cuddy suburbs, you know. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> and uh, they're, you know, it's like four, four white kids, like about our age, you know. So we just like saw. I'm pretty sure that was, if it wasn't that, oh yeah, because I they played with the Ugly bastard, which is a homie, Joe, who uh who's in this band called Fuck 'em Now. Okay. And he was in American Terrorists, which kind of had some like, you know, they were kind of, they they did a bunch of shows back in the day too. Yeah. Uh, and that fool he like lived a couple blocks from me he was also around my age I think he was like maybe a year older um, and I ended up playing drums in his band the wasted before they became American terrorist but basically yeah there's like also a music shop like down the block from access like uh musical instruments Dr Bombays and that closed down but the dude that ran it Dr Bombay is the only like anyone knew him as Doctor Bombay, I don't even remember his real name. Did he have a band called Doctor Bombay? I imagine there was a couple of uh, Doctor Bombays. I think it's a reference to like an old classic rock song. Okay. Maybe like, but I forget. It's like Pink Floyd or some shit like that. But maybe not. Maybe not Pink Floyd. Some other shit. But um, yeah. Basically, sorry. I'm like walking around in this cold ass. Like the kids inside. So I'm like walking around. It's hella cold outside. So I'll probably sound like. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, Doctor. Let's see. Yeah. Dr. Bombay He's like this Irish dude who was actually illegal, like an illegal Irish immigrant, which you thought was like impossible in like the 90s. But (laughs) but yeah, so he was there and he had he had hella guitars and basses and amps like for pretty cheap, like a bunch of vintage stuff. And then he had some drum parts upstairs. He was going to like expand that into a drum section. And he just, you know, he kind of just was like like a pothead and he was lazy so it never happened yeah so one day i'm like uh i got like 40 bucks let me get like all the drum parts in here upstairs he's like ah fuck it probably like need to buy whatever little drugs he was doing (laughs) (laughs) and he was like yeah fuck it okay you're like 12 years old so yeah that's cute i'll give you this shit it was super busted there was one good kick drum like a pearl kick drum that was like you know probably from the 70s that was in and of itself probably worth like two, three hundred bucks. But aside from that, there's like a decent floor Tom, you know, it was like the beginning of a kit and I started building the kit from there. Where and did then, you, where, where, were you playing? Where did like, had you been playing instruments prior to that or where did the, no, oh drums yeah, go? I was playing guitar actually. Okay. Um, and I was just like, so it was like, uh, the homie Lauren was playing bass. He got the bass from Dr. Bombay. Um, I got like the guitar for my birthday, you know, Yeah, I was listening to a lot of Jimi Hendrix since I was a kid and that was like kind of my, my favorite dude. Um, so like, that's kind of what sparked me to ask for a guitar. My dad, he played acoustic. He had an acoustic that I was messing with, but he finally got me the electric and, um, basically, yeah. I mean, he, he kind of like was born in Cuba, but he moved to Chicago when he was like 11 or 12. Okay. So. And he basically came up on all that like electric blues out there and Mm -hmm. like, you know, fucking B.B. King and Howlin' Wolf and fucking Muddy Waters and all that stuff. So it was and a real actually, musical
0: household that you were kind of raised. You had, like, I mean, a foundation in music prior to getting into
1: punk. Yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. he, and he also has some traditional Cubans, you know, had his little Tito Puente, his Mongol Santa Maria's, so and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But he was definitely more into electric blues. And weirdly enough, like a huge Rolling mm-hmm. Stone fan. That's <laughs> which
0: awesome. Which is like.
1: Well, I guess hella, the Chicago
0: blues influence
1: was, the, they were they were oh, stealing heavily yeah. from that, right? So For sure. So they, yeah, they totally. Well, and they even recorded with some of those fools, too. Mm-hmm. So, you know. I would have thought he'd have more of a purest mindset, but he fucking loves the Stones too. So, <laughs> but, um, uh, <laughs> you know, but, uh, I guess cause he's like Cuban too. So it's like, it's all like not Cuban music. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. but, uh, <laughs> but, um, basically, yeah. So, so that was kind of my foundation was like more of a classic rock and blues. Like that's, you know, what, what my folks listen to. My mom was more on the Beatles cream side of things, you know, but, but yeah. So, You know, but then once I got, uh, I wanted to, it was just like me and this fool, Eddie, and uh, Lauren, but it was two guitars and a bass, so I switched to drums when I got those drum parts, you know? Yeah. And that's when we started to actually, and then I kind of like got my chops up, and then I started just playing on other fool sets for a while, played in this other band. You know, I was, I forget, it was like hella band, you know how that goes, Mm -hmm. like, Dozens of little bands
0: So like I guess What are the What are the Like some of the Early sort of Local bands That you were Really gravitating to Or even touring bands That you you were Seeing coming through
1: uh, Well I, I guess My favorite local joints was weird Is we were Yeah we were playing Kind of like Straight ahead Kind of like Almost minor Thready Really regular ass You know Hardcore Yeah Well and before that It was definitely More poppy on the Poppy like Ramonesy Misfitsy Kind of But we kind of You know We sped it up After some time And blah 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 We never went, like, full thrash, which is kind of what I always wanted to do. But I, like, I kind of put off writing songs with too much blast beats in them because I was, like, not good at blast beats. (laughs) Well, also, uh, imagine at that time
0: in the Bay Area, like, if you were going to do that, you had to be, like... It's not like doing it in Toronto where you could be, like, a shitty version of a power violence band. Like, in the Bay Area, you had to be good.
1: Exactly. Like exactly that was like seeing spaz and like god stomper and fucking like uh you know man is the bastard and like all those you know it's all those shits live yeah and you're like i couldn't ne- you know i need like three four more years before i start writing <laughs> songs like that you know so i it was like one of those things i didn't even dare try so like way later uh i still want to do like a full-on just thrash album but i think i just need to like start doing aerobics before i get into that <laughs> yeah <exactly. laughs> Well, that's the thing, but it's like, yeah. no comment, like, you know, like, those
0: guys, like, from what you hear, they were all, like, jazz musicians. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I heard. Guys.
1: Yeah, Max from Spaz apparently learned on jazz. Yeah. So you can see, it's like a lot of jazz timing in that thrashing, that grind stuff.
0: Yeah. And um, I imagine, like, the stopping, too, like, to be able to stop like that and everything. Yeah, man. These fools was claiming. Yeah. yeah I've, seen, I've seen a lot <laughs> I've of bad it.
1: versions of that.
0: So, I've seen exactly. a lot of not I mean, in jazz do yeah. that.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean... Even even that, like, there's definitely, like, no shortage, too, of just, like, grind bands that, like, couldn't quite do it. And they had their, their own appeal for that reason, you know? <laughs> it almost got, like, ger- <laughs> they almost got, like, you know, got, like, is this line between grind and, like, art punk that, like, was... I, like, yeah. I always dug that, too, because it was, like, I don't know, it was, like, a less... Uh, it's the less ego we've seen from the rest of hardcore. Like, Grind and Thrash was really just about, like, putting in a bunch of... Like, usually the most humble fools that would just kick it at the merch table. Like, I don't even do that I don't kick it at the merch table no. <laughs> like, you know? like, But these fools were, like, really good musicians and still just kicking it. Like, like, I always dug that humble aspect. That's, like, the types of shows I always, like, you know... And all the shit was, like, five bucks or, you know, seven... Like, really, 10, 10 bucks was like expensive for a show, mm-hmm. which was like hella crucial when you're a teenager, definitely. Well, when you're and, in the land of the five dollar show, right? Like, or is it the, yeah. what is the Gilman? Was it like Gilman? Was, membership yeah, was you like had the, yeah, it's two dollar membership, and then and then five. And the membership was you spent two dollars, you got the card for what, like a year? So yeah, yeah, a year. It was five bucks for the shows, yeah. basically.
0: Well, like, so, like, were those bands that, like, were, like, some of the local bands that you were seeing at that time, was it,
1: like, was it that power violence stuff, or is it, yeah, like, yeah. more? Yeah, yeah. God Stomper, Spaz, but I also saw, like, Sub Incision played a lot, uh, and they were kind of more of a, you know, da da da, da, da. <laughs> kind of, <laughs> uh, let's see, I basically kind of, like, um, well, Newth Grush actually, Dystopia. Oh, fucking amazing. You know, yeah, man. Like, th- that's like literally like some of the first shows I ever saw. So it really set the tone on some shit. Like, yeah. I just, I don't know. So, like, yeah, so you're, you're seeing these bands, and I guess you're going to these shows and you're playing.
0: Like, what was the first show your band played? Do you like what? Do you play with any of these bands? Did you ever get to that
1: stage, or is it all just grown? Uh, kind of let's see. Well, let's see. When, uh, by the time we made it to high school. And that our band had become New Earth Creeps at that point. That was, like, the fully gelled version yeah. of the shit. Um, let's see. We played with uh, Naked Aggression. Oh, fucking awesome. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and we uh, we opened for, like, a couple other, like, classic. I mean, we played with Frackers a couple times, Troublemaker. I don't know if you know them. Like, there's, like, you know, some fools. Naked Aggression was probably the biggest, like, one. Although that's there's just so much punk and it was all so
0: different that's all coming up like at the oh, same yeah. time that stuff's happening there's that lookout scene happening and also
1: like across there's like that fat record scene happening in San Francisco and it's like oh yeah yeah if it's all so. parallel no, definitely, worlds <laughs> definitely in spam too you can't you can't discount spam either spam uh, <laughs> spam records they did um they did like uh. Uh, your mother and oh, uh, yeah yeah. and then they had a bunch of like kind of poppy bands like that the fleshies i think were on spam for a second but uh was it
0: all you can eat all like all you can eat did they put out something on there like uh, the, your mother pop punk band
1: yeah i think yeah exactly yeah all you can eat yeah and uh but yeah yeah there's a huge pop punk. Uh, you know i saw like groovy ghoulies i saw one time mm-hmm. screeching weasel you know, even though that they're what controversial now.
0: Yeah, yeah they <laughs> they they're unfortunately have. Well, actually, uh, they're, they're, yeah, like they're one of those bands. Unfortunately, it happens a lot in punk. I guess it happens a lot yeah. in music. Period. But yeah, yeah lot, in music period. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of bands where you're like,
1: oh, if only I could go back to more innocent times and enjoy it without the baggage. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's that's all music too. It's just like there's some really terrible people that have made some really beautiful songs and Absolutely. So it's like how how do you reconcile you know and it's it's hard but you also i'm sure that's like literally any profession there's just like bad people that still are capable of making a thing that resonates in a good way or like maybe not bad people but good people that did bad things or what's the difference between good or bad morality et cetera, et cetera? Well, yeah. i mean obviously there's a real difference between good and bad but i'm just saying like I don't yeah. know, man. No, it's hard. You're right because it is like it's it's
0: like every profession. It's like there's like this thing where it seems like you can be a really cool, awesome person in just one aspect of your life, but like a complete monster in yeah. every other. In aspect. every other aspect.
1: <laughs> yep. Yep. I mean, yeah. I I don't know. It's just kind of like there's you know sometimes you hear something like about like, a band or an artist, and you're like, I guess I can't really listen to it anymore. But it's like, sometimes, like, R. Kelly might come on the radio and I don't change the station because I remember the song and i like, you know, and I'll, I'll just be like, I'll listen to the song, man. It's not like, I don't know. It's like the cultural voice aspect sometimes. I don't know. Maybe that's an unpopular opinion. Maybe well, I should no, I like, think, not I think, listen it's, to R. Kelly anymore. I don't. Well, no, I think,
0: <laughs> but I think, I think you're right. Like, nostalgia plays such an important
1: part, right? Like, yeah. And it yeah. really gains entirely different significances to like somebody else that you know someone else's interpretation and you know how they gets DJ'd and blah 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 and just people's personal consumptions of that thing and you know in the same way that like say the peppy the frog dude started out as not some alt-right shit and then it got reappropriated or whatever mm-hmm. it's like you have like once you make the thing it's a part it's outside of you you know and it's like becomes another thing entirely just another thing in the world and yeah, like like well, like you know,
0: you think of like you know, obviously the most historically, you know, contentious, you know, is the the swastika, of course, or like yeah, yeah, you know, the, the cross no, of life, so. or it's like one of the oldest symbols of all time. But like, yeah. how would you ever be able to disassociate it now from the worst branding in history? Like the
1: yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I mean, well. In India, they still got them. You know, they still got them. If you see them, like I've seen them in the bay, like on like a little temple on San Pablo, mm-hmm. they got them. I think it's Buddhist, but it's the same. You know, it's the same thing it came out of Hinduism, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like maybe over time people uh, will like, you know, learn like like reclaim it as for its original thing it's not like a huge it's not like big on the to-do list (laughs) it's like we need to reclaim the swastika now but it's like maybe over some time people like yeah but that's you know that's an optimistic probably view i think it's
0: time is like you know like what it comes down to is is time and place and context but like there's so i don't know like you know there's i find also like there's bands that i like or liked as a younger person that were singing really political things those people have gone on to kind of turn their back on what they sang about I find yeah. I can't listen to what they saying about yeah. anymore. It, like that's ruined for me.
1: No. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess you know. There's a, you know. There's hella fucking yeah. There's hella uh, instances of that. I'm trying to think though, like, of like some sort of exception. Well, well, I can't even Led think Zeppelin. People give Led Zeppelin a pass all the time. Like, oh yeah. You read any? What's a? Uh, yeah. What, what do they do? Actually, I don't even know about Led Zeppelin. John. You fuck up Led Zeppelin for me?
0: John Bonham. <laughs> Was not yeah. not one of the greatest <laughs> examples of what a, 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 a entitled white male should do in a position of rock stardom. He okay. A real monster, from the sounds of it. Okay. You know, allegedly. Damn, okay. Uh, All right. Uh-huh. Yeah. I
1: mean, I'll, I'll look into that. Yeah. Like I'll, maybe I'll listen to some Zep first. As <laughs> <that's> a farewell. <laughs> that's the last. The last. You can't go back. <laughs> the last hurrah, man. Yeah. Yeah. That's why. Yeah. That's. I guess that's why I like. Oh man, see, it's like, yeah, it's like these little emotional. Cause Zep is so good, bro. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess I'll look. It, I'll look that up. Don't ruin it for me now. I'll, no. I'll, I'll do that on my own time.
0: No, I'll let you ruin it all <laughs> for yourself a little bit later on. Um, but, but like you know, I, obviously we've gotten really off the topic. But I think. Uh, oh, yeah. But I think that also speaks to the scene that you came from. That that scene is you know. Uh, there was a real strong politics to the Bay area and a lot of the punk that came out of max rock and roll, especially um, Yeah, yeah. Um, it was like, were you aware of that side of it at all? Or was it more yeah, like I mean, just about the music at that point for you?
1: Well, definitely like I, you know, another thing that drew it to me aside from it being like cheap, accessible music that was oftentimes all ages or at least, you know, and actually almost always all ages. Mm-hmm. And, spots where you could just like go smoke weed and drink beer as a kid which is like <laughs> you know like that was a big issue that was one of my big issues as a as a kid but uh, you know I was and That's also, really like, something that's unique to the Bay at punk venues I thought, too. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, you know, they they wouldn't let that happen in Gilman, but they had the no. little creek down the way that you you know, you just got soft up beforehand. <laughs> you know, sneak a little flask in. You know, all that type of stuff. But but yeah, I mean, like yeah, no, definitely, like, the political side of it was also, like, another thing that, you know, I kind of, you know, I was drawn to the rebellious aspects and, the, you know, forward-thinking liberal policies and whatnot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that that was definitely, like, a, you know, like, part of why I dug it, for sure. Yeah. I mean, and so you can't... Oh, hey, sorry. And it's like you can't even... Um, yeah, there's no way you can kind of, like, be in that scene and not, like, absorb some of that and, like, you know... uh at least hear it. <laughs> yeah. So it's like it's being talked to it's like the fucking I don't know. It's like a this the whole scene has like a strong conversation about various, you know, like all the I don't know, I feel like all the kind of like I don't know, Zen coans about race, class and sex and gender and orientation and you know, like oppression and all I feel like all those Conversations I had had, you know, before, like it's stuff in like in the news that people are talking about, like for the first time. Mm -hmm. And I feel like fools in like just at a punk show might have just, you know, like one long drunk fight might (laughs) have covered all those topics. (laughs) You know, (laughs) like I, I don't know. I think that that's what I guess. You know, it's also like what is punk, and like is it a collection of sounds, and plus a culture and a style of dress. Or is it just an attitude or, you know, as obviously can be any and all of those things. But it's like, you know, the one thing that was central to was like, I don't know, maybe the one thing that's central to is hard to it's hard to pin down one thing that's central to it. But I guess that's why I dug it. It was like a very anarchic, you know, a thing with like a lot of different directions and possibilities and just like there was. Uh, you know slightly less ego still some ego obviously you can't get rid of ego it always mm-hmm. pops up but mm-hmm. like just like uh i mean ideally you can right get rid of ego right <laughs> but well, but it mean, like it's, just, a,
0: it's almost impossible in music like it seems like people yeah. like even when you try and get rid of the ego people put it back in there for you
1: yeah well because it's also like the even the act of making music like i have you know a tune and a collection of words and a rhythm in my head that i now have to put out to the world for why. Like, why Why you think the world deserves this? You know, like, why you think you should do this? But it's like, I guess you don't even think about it in those terms. You just, like, I literally just, like, want the thing that's in my head to be outside of it so I can listen to it like a song on the radio, mm-hmm. you know, just like any other song that I hear. You know, like, I like music. I want to make some, too. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's the essential, like, that's the essential, you know, nature of, like, the urge to do that. But I guess... Yeah, I guess, like, what punk means or whatever. I don't know. I guess even even the, like, word punk, I was like, I never really called myself a punk, I guess, just because my my dad has, like, a sort of OG's perspective on that word. And he's always, but why do they call it punk music? You know what that used to mean, right? You know? And uh, so, you know, and obviously that's supposed to, you know, kind of shake someone out of there, you know, and draw attention to semantics and blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. There's many different ways to intellectualize the whole thing. But I guess I just, I've just always admired, you know, I like free jazz. I like noise experimental. I've always admired people that make music that aren't really as hampered by the rules of it as someone, you know, who say, I'm in a classic, you know, jazz band. I'm in a, I'm in a classic rock 70s and 60s influenced mildly psychedelic rock, you know. (laughs) Yeah. Like I, I mean, and there's plenty of bands like that that are fucking amazing. But I guess I'm just saying, yeah, I, I just always dug the fact that it looked like you. You see a punk band, you're like, oh, okay, I could do that. And you you sat down to make a song, and you were never like, okay, how should you? Just like I just, I guess I just do whatever. Yeah, you know, like I appreciated how it how it showed you how to do it with less rules, you know, and. um that, that That's the whole reason I, I mess with it. And I guess applying that on a greater political scale, too, just like imagining a world with less rules, you know, because, you know, rules are seem like inherently, you know, there's no a priori upon which to rest your hat. <laughs> I do think one rule that you came up with on
0: a song lyric about a, a, a national, a national, and I mean, in my Canada, national
1: salary cap <laughs> for everyone would be a good rule. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, national salary cap seems all right, but I think probably better than that. And I think I was still just being like, someone had literally said that to me 10 minutes earlier. I was like, (laughs) yeah, that's a good idea. I'm going to put that in the song, too. But I'd say better than a national salary cap is no money anyway. Mm. But, you know. Yeah,
0: probably true. But
1: Again, again, semantics,
0: you know. You think reclaiming a swastika is going to be a hard
1: battle? Yeah, I feel like once there's no more Nazis, it'll be easy to just... Be like, oh yeah, the Swastika actually means or whatever it actually means is some Hindu shit, right? Hindu yep. and Buddhist. But then, and then we can get rid of money because that's
0: going to be that's going to
1: be a harder battle, I think. Is ultimately yeah, rid of you, money, pro- I think. you probably need some money to you know <laughs> get rid of to get some ban- bandages on your hands after punching some you know Nazis <laughs> or you whatever. Know, the <laughs> yeah, you need you need money to buy guns to kill Nazis with. So. Have you ever actually seen that photo of Do you know that guy
0: Sammy playing that pin? All bets are off. Away uh, yeah, before. yeah, for sure. So, Have you ever seen that photo of him about to crack the Nazi over the head with? Uh, I think it's like a, a, a grocery store checkout counter thing that used to separate groceries at a four uh, punch show.
1: Oh shit! No, I did not see that. That's crazy. It's
0: the it's, <laughs> the, it's the it's the most amazing photo. I just posted it around today because oh, I'm, shit, like, I'm 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 mess with that. Oh, so. it's, it's like you know. And once again, I speak. I guess to uh, the power of the Bay Area
1: and all that. Oh uh, yeah, man. Awesome There's a stuff. lot of. I saw a lot of Nazi punching in the Bay, man. There's like, for some reason also, a surprising amount of like white supremacist punk bands in the area. Well, they're not from the Bay. They're more from like, I don't know, like fucking Oxnard and Torrance and shit, you know, out, out, way out in the cuts. But, you know, we still have presence. And there's a huge, like, you know, sharp, you know, like I saw like a black skinhead band. Well, you know, it was just Orlando X and his, and his white boy accompaniments. But the homie Izzy was in the band and he did his thing. Oh, what what band but, was that? Uh, uh, Special Forces. That was Intrepid. Well, it was Special Forces. It was Orlando from Special Forces, new band where they did a couple Special Forces covers and a couple United Blood covers because United Blood was another band. Oh, that's awesome! That, that, yeah, and then they, uh, and then um, it was called Intrepid AAF though, <laughs> and uh, the homie Izzy was in that one. That's so awesome! I, I saw like you know and Orlando's come on fucking, the show a couple times now. Oh yeah man, Orlando's a fucking man. Like <laughs> no, it's true. Like uh, he was that and seeing that like early on, you know, like you're like, "Okay, so like skinhead doesn't mean like race is Nazi." <laughs> yeah. It can be like, you know, and then you like, "Okay, so it was started by like, you know, uh Caribbean immigrants in the in the in the UK, right? <laughs> and and of course the white working class of the UK, blah blah blah." You know, it's it's, it's a nebulous history, but it's not like you, you don't, like, even understand those intricacies. So it's just off top. Like, you just see, like, one racist skinhead on TV, and you're like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. that's what it is. Then you see, you know, it's still hella weird to see, like, hella white skinhead. But then they're like, you know, fuck, hey, like, anti race They have, like, you know, ex-style squats. You know, it's a, that's a weird scene, man. But, yep. but definitely, like, growing up, you know, seeing that, like, seeing a black skinhead, like, Screaming like anti-fascist lyrics you know with like a integrated well actually no yeah because the uh, the drummer dude what was that fool's name it was like yeah it was like half black and half white in the band a special a special force the original drummer i don't know nah, the original the drummer of intrepid aaf okay, okay formed yeah. special forces with with united blood members in it mm-hmm. but uh yeah fucking yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't even know what the fuck we were
0: talking about anymore. But <laughs> Well, I think I think like, you know, I one kind of leads into talking what I wanna talk about, like about like once again, more musical integration, but like the fact that there's always been kind of this weird maybe not a lot of connection, but there's like these sort of like little connections, mainly just Dan from Spaz, but between Baria kind of hip hop stuff and punk. Uh, oh, yeah. You, did you notice any of that stuff back then? Like obviously cool Keith. Shouts out to yeah. Spaz on uh, Dr. Yeah. Octagon and then. D- and he then, then he's a on a Spaz record. Yeah, he does yeah, a drop does on a record. the Spaz record.
1: Yeah, on La Revanche or whatever. Yeah. I feel like that was hella few and far between back in the day. Like, I I weirdly felt like a rarity for, like, fucking with both, like, rap and, and punk, you know? Like, yeah. It was not much of that. Uh, today, there's way more of that. And especially just even at the shows and the scenes, like, you see a lot more of that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like, Antoine is like a huge uh you know he really straddles that yep um he's been on the show like, oh yeah i'm sure yeah <laughs> and fucking i don't know There, but even so even so like there's because i think there was such like the everybody hated uh rap rock yeah so there was like this huge like it really fucked things up i think yeah like because it was just like I mean, I fuck with some Rage Against the Machine, but I pretty much stopped there on Rap rap Rock, which is crazy because, like, I like rap and I like rock, you know? like I Yeah, but, like, have you been able to go
0: back and find something? Like, have you gone back and rediscovered Limp Bizkit or anything? Because I think it's weird. Like, I like Rage and I like Downset. I like, you know, but, like, it seems like a genre
1: that's very rarely been pulled off successfully. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Well, I think because... I don't know. I think, like, the the ones that make it to our ears, at least. I mean, there's some more that I've, like, kind of discovered a lot. Like, Sewer Rats is a good, like, punk rap, kind of. Mm-hmm. And, like, there's, like, and I guess there's, like, a lot of rap that, like, is still within the punk scene. You know, like, I would almost say, like, uh, Rat King, even though the yeah. th- the sound isn't, quote, unquote, you know. And it's, like, then, you know, fucking picking, picking bones about, like, what the sound is supposed to be is already, like, such a tired <laughs> argument. So I don't even know. Like yeah, just there's a certain point at which like the constraints of genre are fully there's no need, you know, to, you know, it's all music end of the day, right? But
0: well, it's funny because if you think of two genres though that have more of a, you know, obviously like I'm not gonna I, people always fucking overstate rap and
1: punk's connection to one another,
0: but 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 like still there is like that connection like you know Rick Rubin obviously in Hoes and Def Jam kind of yeah. start with the punk stuff and then you also have even like celluloid records like a lot of the early hip-hop 12 inches that were getting international distribution we were on celluloid records which is like a new wave punk label yeah and then it looked like you know so there are yeah.
1: these kind of like weird connections between the two yeah. worlds you definitely can yeah you definitely can connect an, a lot of dots and they're very similar just off top without any you know just even if you just look at it from like a petri dish sort of standpoint like just just as genres you know in and of themselves i think they have a lot of similarity aside from sound mm-hmm. but you know just in in terms of like the, play, the the placement within you know like ghettos and poor communities and like just the you know the, the liberation politics and blah 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 they're mm-hmm. very similar in that respect and they definitely share like a lot of roots in terms of like how you know the people that champion them and There's been even, like, a fair amount of crossover, but definitely, like, not as much as I would have thought. Yeah. You know, like, as a kid, I'm like, why not see more stuff like this? And, like, every time I saw people trying to put them together, I guess the stuff that makes it to your eyes and ears as a fool that might just not be, like, actively looking for music, but just kicking it with whatever's around. It's like you just see it on MTV and the thing that ends up on MTV is usually the corniest version of whatever might be happening in real life. I'm sure there's like still hella bands we haven't even like heard about yet that just like never really took off and just like maybe had a couple little demos in their hometown and then you find them like death. Like I I was like if I had known about death in high school, (laughs) that would have been my all time fucking favorite fucking band, dude. Yeah. Like, I was hella mad when I found out <laughs> that I had missed death. I was like, damn, bro. Like, and that fucking seven or, what, seven songs on that shit was like, I've had that on repeat for like two years, bro. Mm-hmm. Like, that shit. Like, if I had, you know, and I'm sure there's like fucking hundreds of other bands like that. That's oh, like, either like, yeah, you the, know. The untold
0: history of african-american punk bands is yeah. is ridiculous like like have you heard yeah. this band pure hell
1: yeah pure hell yeah i definitely came to them way late too, me too I, <laughs> yeah like no nah, bro it's like and then so to think about there's got to be hella more like rap that has the punk influence that i just like was too lazy to go look up you know yeah like and like punk rap is probably a very under excavated you know library section
0: Well, I think, like, you know, punk punk to me has always been, like, where rock and roll and rock music went through its, like, mannerist stage and where, like, people began playing with the genre and began, like, you know, like, being like, okay, here are the rules, here's what we're going to do differently, you know, but, like, like, but still understanding the rules, right? Of, yeah, yeah, and that's why like the Ramones are so awesome, and that's why like that's why I love yeah. that music. I think like not that it is like just almost as a bring it up as a parallel example. What it seems like rap music, once again, entirely from an outsider perspective, be, being my mm-hmm. perspective, it seems like yeah. when Das Racist and, and sort of like Odd Future and and Action Bronson and like there's this whole wave of people that were kind of bubbling up around the same time. It almost yeah. feels like that was, like, same sort of the, the rap music, hip-hop music, whatever, going through its mannerist stage in the early 2000s, yeah. where the means of production were now in the hands of the artists, much in the same way fanzines and tapes allowed the means of production to be the hands of the artists during punk. Like, yeah, the yeah, internet yeah. and mixtapes and everything just became so much more
1: accessible. Like, was
0: that, yeah. like, totally
1: off-base in that? No, I think that that's, that's fully, like, I think that before that, there was still an underground rap scene that that was comparable to the punk rock scene, like, you know, like, you know, it's, and it's also, yeah, I mean, it's very different. Model- I mean, you think about, like, Cash Money started out as, like, an indie, in the, you know, like, a yeah. straight up, and, you know, and then became, like, one of the biggest, you know, what, Universal or Sony eventually ended up buying them out. So it's like, uh, I guess they, and then you think about even, like, uh, I'm trying to think of, uh, I mean, Alternative Tentacles never really sold out in that same respect, but, you know, it's just like. Who knows the difference between like how you know like maybe Jello had less mouths to feed than Master P, you know yeah. like uh it really like you can't call one selling out and the other one not selling out like No like and I, and, I mean you can definitely call Jello not selling out I feel like safely he pretty much <laughs> he's been pretty adamant about it. but you know I'm sure a lot of people would disagree with me. I don't know the whole details of all that shit either so who knows but, well, I, I think, like, but oh, no,
0: and, and I didn't mean, like, in the same way, uh, like, you know, like, that they, you know, like, not that, that, like, hip-hop didn't have independence prior to rap music, didn't have independence prior, because that definitely was yeah, the yeah. case, but I think it's
1: in terms of just, like, like sound just, like, and, like, being different. But in all the different, kind of, more, like, uh, outcast style, not, like, literally, like, the group, but also just, like, yeah. more fringe, <laughs> fringe artists, like have like moments like these uh you know like groups can all of a sudden can see the light of day more but it's like the groups are always there i think like you know like i, I remember listening to the far side and that's you know like far side is like really it's like art art rap like it's it's really and pretty punk you know like like, I'm trying to think of other, like, no, Dell. But, but, and what I think I was like, saying, like, yeah, like but do you remember, like, Dell,
0: and this is once again, just from what I remember, but, like, Dell was always referred to as Ice Cube's, cousin. you know, cousin, and and even, like, Fatlip, when Fatlip put out that, you know, that next 12-inch, it was, put like, up, Fatlip yeah, and he was, like, consciously weird and kind of talking about real shit that he went through in his life, and even on that Far Side record when they're talking about it, yeah, it yeah. was very much painted as, like. Oh, that's weird that you did that, you know, whereas I think it would be more celebrated
1: for it. Yeah, exactly. It was ahead of its time, basically, is all. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, there was no, like, looking back on it now, you're like, oh, yeah, like, Farsight was pulling, like, an early, odd future type Mm -hmm. thing almost or Mm -hmm. something along those lines. But, yeah, yeah, I definitely feel like there was some somewhat of, like, a little renaissance, if you want to call it that. Uh, I like it. Something uh like, a little more visibility for, for these types of groups, and, like, this style of, like, a a little, sort of, like, a more off-kilter style, Mm -hmm. I guess, but, uh, that, that off-kilter style has been, like, the heart of the whole, you know, the idea of hip-hop, and, like, when you, like, you listen to, you know, like, those 10-minute fucking, like, (laughs) you know, Sugar Hill Gang, and, like, African Bombada, and all, I mean, also, he's another one where you can't listen to him anymore, apparently, but, uh, you know, so it's, you know, the options are limited, I guess. But there's, like, you know, Rommel Z, like, there's a million fucking, like, the that crazy, like, that, that's, that was the sound that, like, birth. you know, like, the no rules, like, 10-minute songs with, like, the hook is, like, repeated 20 times, or, like, hella long instrumental breaks, or, like, all these, like, <laughs> you know, like, all this stuff is, like, already built into the, the, the genre and the idea like these are like it was rule breaking from the get and then it kind of developed rules over time and then the rules got to be rebroken again I feel like that's like a cycle in pretty much all music is like well, well it's a cycle you know, in all genre know?
0: like uh, like yeah. film they talk about it in film genre too like yeah they call yeah, it yeah. And then the mannerist stage is where, the, where the, the rules are finally broken and it's almost yeah, like yeah. at that point it can really become an art again
1: yeah Yeah, I guess, Um, yeah, it kind of, but it's like a sine wave, it goes goes up and down, like, you know, like, I don't know, I'm sure, like, new, as we speak, new rules are being (laughs) built into this, like, you know, and then they have, they'll have to be broken again, and it's like, I don't know, like, maybe we come to a point, like, ideally, where all the rules are broken forever, and we're all perfectly free, souls roaming the celestial atmospheres, etc., but, like, Or it's just you're always grinding against some new rules that are fucking you up. And when Jaden Um, Smith becomes president, all the rules will be gone. (laughs) Yeah, man. And we'll be able to finally be free. If 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 anybody, Uh, Jaden Smith would make a good uh, last president. Or maybe put Willow and he could be vice. I think he'd be with that.
0: I back that too. Um, Yeah, either way, I I, and I'm not and I'm. It sounds like I'm being a dick when I say that, but I honestly think like, I think it would be a a a much freer world if Jaden was uh, the leader. Oh
1: yeah, Um, oh yeah, for sure, bro. (laughs) um, Oh yeah, you know, you know, no, but no leaders, you know, no leader. Yeah, no leaders. No kings, no kings, bro. No gods, no masters. No gods, no masters, man. <laughs> Up the punks go, anarchy, all cops are bastards, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> so I, I know you're freezing your ass off the yeah. outside. I've I even tripped, the sun came out. Okay, good, okay, good. Well, in that case, get ready for
0: hour two. Uh... <laughs> yeah, but so I'll do this. So, fuck <laughs> it. <laughs> so, uh, so I guess, like, um, at a certain point, uh, you know, you're playing
1: in. What was your band that started getting real serious when you were in high school, you said? Oh, yeah, like, the, uh newer Creeps was, like, my, like, final seri- final form serious little punk rock band. Okay, so you guys play, uh, and did did you guys play out of the Bay Area at all, or, or just... Uh, nah, actually, we never toured. We played, like, uh, Libertatia Fest, which is, like, up in the woods. Okay. Uh, it was, like, a little pirate punk festival. Was it actually but, pirate uh, punks? Yeah, it was, like, uh, you know, the fools that started the term pirate yeah. punks, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, those fools, like, uh... I forget Amy. Scurvy Dogs and all them. Maybe from Vostek, right? She was. Yeah, Vostek. Yeah, exactly. All, all those fools. Um, so we played that a couple times. Was it like were people
0: dressed up as pirate? Um, like, was it like because I I've been around pirate punks obviously, but it's always been in like another show setting.
1: Yeah. Would I it be like, like the things. gathering
0: of the Juggalos or
1: a? No, they were like they they look like punks, but they had like m- more, you know their patches and shit were more yeah. pirate oriented. Yeah. You know, they just like it was a slight variation on punk kids. You know. Uh, Like some of them might wear a little headband with some skulls on it or some shit. You know, no one's really like (laughs) tripping that hard, but like, what was going full Jack Sparrow? Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm sure there's a couple full Jack Sparrow. Like, you know, a couple of those fools definitely looked like, okay, yeah, I see why they call you pirate punks, but it wasn't like, it wasn't cosplay so much as, uh, they just had a, it was like a bunch of friends and bands that like kept throwing hella shows. And Mm -hmm. that was what they put on the flyer, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But, uh, but yeah, no, that was a cool little scene. But yeah, aside aside from, uh, I guess, you know, there's actually, ap- apparently there's some scene drama in that too, so who knows? Well, who we brought knows, up Jack man. Sparrow, there's,
0: you know, you can't like Jack Sparrow anymore
1: either. Oh uh, yeah, apparently, man. So, man. so, that's the thing, is, it's just, it's just like dudes, it really what it yeah, comes to. Yeah, it's down just from. dudes, yeah, you see the, yeah. It's not dudes I mean, in bands, should, it's just
0: dudes in general.
1: Yeah, we should probably just listen to uh, only music made by women. It's probably definitely we would have less to be questioning. Uh, I find
0: than we do now. Yeah,
1: definitely. I I, def, I did like a nice little Alice Coltrane, like two three months which was pretty much just the same, like three four. Uh, it was like two double records and another mm-hmm. record of just hella Alice Coltrane, mm-hmm. and that was very cleansing. I I could see at some point in my life just going straight Alice Coltrane, nothing else. Maybe some Betty Davis. Whoa! You know? <laughs> and that would be all you listen to? Yeah, I think I feel like if I had to pick one thing to only listen to, it'd probably be Alice Coltrane, and maybe Betty Davis too. Wow! Like that that I think that would be ideal. I think I'd be a better person if I did that too, but uh, I, I'm not quite there yet. You know?
0: No, that's when that's like that's like the. Uh, that's like the ultimate level in Scientology, when you're able to just focus <laughs> on the one artist. They
1: lock you in a room, and they just play, like, fucking, yeah. yeah. you know, journey to session end, uh, yeah. over and over again. Agra I'm really going to regret picking Poison Idea when i that <laughs> room. <laughs> oh, dude. you See, that's why you need to interview Lauren, because he was about to do uh, start a band that was just Poison Idea and Bad Brain Covers, and call it Bad Idea. And he's been, like, looking for it, <laughs> I think... I was like, look, that's that's going to be too tiring for me on drums, so you got to find another drummer for that project. <laughs> but I'm like I'm like a I'll be like like a fill in basically, like if he needs a studio drummer, I'll do that, but I'm not going to play shows like that. That sounds crazy. Yeah, you need, but, um, <laughs> you need some you need some breaks in between those songs. Yeah, definitely, man. I'm I'm not built like that, man. I'm I used to be I used to fucking be pretty nasty at the drums, but then Becoming a rapper and you don't even have to carry no equipment, you just yeah. get super lazy, man. <laughs> yeah. Who, who, uh, who were some of your drumming heroes from that scene? Because there's a lot of incredible drummers in the Bay. Uh, definitely Max from Spaz. Yeah. Uh, I forget dude's name, but dude in God Stomper, even mm. though he did a more simple thing. They were like a Two Piece too, right? Yeah, they're just bass and drums, and yeah. it still sounded like they were like still like to this day one of my favorite bands. Fucking so uh, other drummers in that. Uh, the fool from Intrepid AAF, I f- forget his fucking name though. Yeah, the uh, one we
0: keep bringing it up like yeah.
1: Yeah, and then the other fool, I still can't remember. Okay, uh, I guess like um, well, Who from the from the Jocks? That fool's name. The Jocks. Do you remember the Jocks? No, like J O K S. J O C K S. It was like um, they're kind of like. San Francisco rich kids, but they did like. They started out as like like a fun pop punk band, and then they like when they got like they tried their little hard hardcore stuff, and they like really killed with the hardcore stuff. And then they then they split off into a few other bands. Sharp Knife went super hard. That was Morgan. That dude's a sav actually, and um I think he's like a like a biologist now. (laughs) But uh, those bands are tight, man. You got you got to look up Sharp Knife. Actually, is probably my favorite. of I kind of remember Sharp Knife as being like.
0: Something I heard people talking about as a yeah, hardcore band. Yeah, Sharp,
1: Sharp knife is pretty tight. I, I would say uh looking at then they play with like they did a split with or no, Jocks did a split with Fleshies, which is another like kind of you know, like a little more aggressive than your average pop punk kind of band. They're pretty good. Yeah. Um and legendary and whatnot. <laughs> but um let's see. And then yeah, and that's that's a homie uh Brian who plays drums in that. Uh that's one of my favorite drummers too, actually. And um, the dude that, like, when I was away at college who played shows uh, in my stead, <laughs> this little Adam, Yeah, um, he was actually one of my favorite drummers, too. Like, I'd come back and sometimes I'd let him do half the show just because I'd be out of practice and then I'd just <laughs> do, like, the last three songs because <laughs> I was like oh man you kill these songs like I, I I might have wrote that drum line but you could definitely pull it off better <laughs> you know well at least uh, you can admit it right like yeah exactly man I'm, I'm definitely more of a writer than a than an instrumentalist like I, I fiddle with all the instruments and I'm like pretty nice at drums but end of the day like you know more of a writer do you ever lay down your own like drum tracks for what you do I have done, like, occasionally added some drums here and there and, like, help program drums on on MP. And it was, like, one of those things where I was hella precious about. I was like, I don't want to do it unless I can, like, have the time to do it right. Mm -hmm. So I was putting it off for hell long. But I was, like, literally just thinking, I'm going to just do one, like, uh, probably this week because I I was about to book some studio time. So we'll see if that happens. That will be, yeah. I was kind of thinking a whole project where I just – I mean, I've done a, a lot of stuff where I play all the little instruments and I like, you know, do a sort of like a sort of like a Prince Stevie Wonder type thing. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, usually I end up just kind of leaning on some punk rock styles because it's easier to like pull off real quick and like mm-hmm. simple. And I I don't like spend a hell of time in the studio. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's like one of those things where it's like one day I should do a rap album where I just actually play all the instruments and stuff, too. Like a, yeah.
0: Like a one man roots. <laughs>
1: but <laughs> well, even
0: if you just did the drum beats and then you know yeah and then some other it. did over it yeah yeah, yeah
1: definitely i need to incorporate my drums in there because I was, I was definitely like i've been thinking about more but i think i just had to flex in all these other different ways before i got down to it yeah but yeah this year's the year man i'm gonna do it <laughs> <laughs> you're the drummer <laughs> The year the drums, man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I guess like were you were you rapping at all before you went away to college? Like were you when did you first oh, yeah. start rapping?
1: I mean I was yeah, I was rapping like, you know, like in the way that kids might rap it like yeah. in a fucking little cipher here or there. You know, I'd have like a little notebook sometimes I'd write some rhymes in, but I never recorded nothing. So well actually we were recording some uh new earth creep stuff over at this full spot. And um, I did do some raps back then, Encyclopedia Brown. Okay. And actually, uh, so that was like, yeah, I had like four tracks like that. And that fool was like passing those tracks around to his little rap buddies who were like, oh, who's this fool? He's like, oh, he just plays drums in, in his punk band I play. In. He's not even a rapper. He like doesn't want to be a rapper or nothing. And they're like, oh, crazy. But then, uh, you know, that was. And I kind of did want to be a rapper, but I yeah. just, I don't know. I felt like I was already doing drums and shit. I, I don't know. Musically, I was more on, like, trying to write songs, like, you know, instruments and, and shit. But I, like, I didn't really realize, I guess, my, like, inability to use a computer the right way really hampered my ability to make rap music at that age, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I still, like, I'm better at... Like, an instrument is is as far as I can go, really. Like, I, I've i never... I've always been clueless. If you sit me down at a computer or even an MPC, if someone hadn't pulled up the sounds already, like, I can play a nice little, you know, thing on the MP, but I can't turn the shit on and, like, load up the shit and save the shit myself, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I haven't just learned that one fucking day of sitting down and learning the shit. I just, like, for whatever reason, always put that shit off. So I've always kind of felt like... The best music uh, I could make is ahead of me, just because I'm still, I've still kind of had this weird hobbyist mentality towards it. Like, I guess some part of me refuses to fully treat it like a real job yet. Still, Mm -hmm. but uh, but I, you know, I guess you know now I'm a dad and I'm like spending more time at the crib, so I'm doing a little more flexy little writing, and I think I can, uh, you know, make something a little more uh, centered and utilizing all the different aspects like there's one thing is just like I like a lot of genres but fusion is one of the genres that I feel like I have the most trouble with because fusion is so often very corny as an idea (laughs) you know (laughs) and it's so it's really so I really I guess I like stay my lanes in the genres which even annoys me because it's like I want to do some something that reflects all of the eclectic you know but everybody's trying to do everything at all times anyway. So I guess it's nothing new.
0: There's always, a, and there's also like those moments like, uh, on, on the most deaf record where he has, uh, where he breaks into the punk song or there's also that roots record where they do the hardcore punk song on, uh, on one of the tracks on that too.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. The, and they got living color on, on that album. Yeah. 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 The, uh, new the, danger. Yeah, yeah. I remember that album came out. I was in college already, but that, that was super crucial for me. That was like, you know, like I really, I really enjoy that album, and I think it aged well too. I thought some of the production on a uh, on the Living Color stuff, like they could have got somebody on the boards that was yeah. that like could fill out the sound more, because it definitely just sounded like the room. Whereas, like I know their more produced stuff is kind of more like anthemic, like kind of stadium style stuff, and maybe he wanted to keep it low pro and kind of raw, and I kind of respect that move now. But at the time, I was like, I want to hear like some real Living Color style production on this shit but I guess that's nitpicking at end of the day that album is fucking amazing new danger fucking yeah. still killer song like even better now probably I should go listen to that matter of fact <laughs>
0: well it's, it's, it's funny because like that you know like it was such a that was such a cool period for so many genres and music in general because that's it was it. like I it was like a very free period as far as like what artists could do and but there was still a lot of money.
1: So artists could still, yeah, stick exactly. It. It's right before the internet, like, basically made all these fools. Yeah, uh, well, it's not even that made them broke. It just made them fire half their team. You know? Yeah, well, yeah. You just changed
0: the way you had to do your business. You yeah. couldn't, couldn't sustain yourself at that point. But like, yeah. it's 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 funny because like you think about think about like punk bands back at that point, like tragedy on a tour sold through like 10,000 copies of their record on vinyl or like 20,000 uh, yeah. copies on vinyl.
1: It's like, yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> like Yeah. No, I mean, yeah. A lot of that model is still better than, you know, like someone who's like, well, I need a manager and then I need <laughs> a team and a peer. It's like, no, you actually really just need a
0: van. Yeah. But like, <laughs> I think it, it's funny cause like I, I met Ian MacKay and had this conversation. I'm like, there's never going to be another Fugazi. And he was like really in, insistent that there could be, but it's <laughs> like, There won't be because there's not that economic base that, like, Fugazi was... Yeah, they were selling their records. They could sell records every night, and people don't buy records in that way anymore. So you don't have that independent economic freedom that you used to have.
1: Now we're all... We're figuring out any way to get paid now. Uh, Yeah, I guess. I mean, you know, you got got your little band camps, and, you know, it's just like the... Yeah, I guess it's always been the same story. You got to do all uh do all the little things, like hustle in every little sideways angular direction. Mm-hmm. Um just to, you know, and then I don't know. There's like a million ways to get it, I guess. But yeah, it's like sure, there'll never be another Fugazi per se, but like the Fugazi model has now, you know, entered the consciousness and like, you know, it's another thing to work with, you know. It's like uh, to get, you, you know, you don't have to get too, like, overly sentimental over stuff that just kind of, like, happened to be, like, you know, I feel like Minor threatened them. Like, they just had, like, you know, I guess they stumbled on... It was a sound that was already... Ha- they, they clicked on a good sound, and they they connected, and they just did the work, and blah, blah, blah. And that's why they became, you know, a legendary band. I guess this is, like, however that manifests itself today, if it means pressing records versus, you know, putting stuff, you know, selling stuff digitally or whatever, you know, it's like, end of the day, it's still the, like, if you, if you got like a, you know, like people can tell, like they listen to a song, they like it, you know, hella fools like a song. Then the song's gonna bring success to the people that make that song, regardless. Like, however that manifests itself. If it's like, I don't know, like Chance the Rapper, I guess isn't like the perfect example because he already has some industry connects. But the fact that he his model has always been like make money off of like commercials and all these little sideways things, and like not ever officially put it out. You know, like he got nominated for a Grammy off a of mixtape, but you know that's fake DIY, I guess, because he still has like. You know, manager, managers, you know, his, his uncle's Spike Lee or something, but I, like I not, think, to, not to diminish that at no. all because he fully, and I think you he's, know, he fully, yeah. He's and doing something music different.
0: Did. Yeah. and he's And he's yeah. doing something different. But I mean, like, as far as like a band that's able to subsist without any corporate involvement, without ever being involved with a major, with like a company or corporation, it's like, and to exist for a long term type thing like Fugazi did, it's like, I think that's going to be really hard now. Like, cause you you have to uh, you have to deal with iTunes from the yeah. from the get go as a band, as an artist now. Like that's you're you're already in bed
1: with a major quote unquote major label, right? At the, yeah, right at yeah. The start. I guess like all the means of you know yeah all the means of distribution have been kind of like uh, corporatized. Mm-hmm. But uh, and I guess people don't buy. I feel like there's been a little bit of a boom in record sales. Uh, I read at some point. Yeah. So I guess it's like I don't want to get into like some trade magazine. shit. <laughs> But I, I'm just saying there's still a way I, – I think, too, that there's, like, a Fugazi-esque route is is fully achievable in this day and age. Yeah. And it's, like uh, – I don't know. Like, maybe it really is just, like, buy the physical copy and, like, you just make you just make it so people want to get that physical copy from you, I guess. Yeah, and I, think, also, I think the only, I are, only people that could do it now would be a
0: rapper, I think, would be, like – like a a huge artist, like if if Drake all of a sudden decided to adopt what a, not Fugazi model, but like a a model like that, he would be able to force <laughs> the system to change enough. I think.
1: Yeah, except like nobody. Yeah, nobody at that level is going to really do that. No. I guess. <laughs> no, I, don't, I mean, I wouldn't <laughs> if I was at their level. Like I'm not. Willing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but it's kind of like, huh, yeah, well. I guess there's like oh, what was that band from like up in Washington? They got like an Epitaph deal that they turned down, famous. Gloss. Yeah, gloss. Yeah, like, I thought that that was yeah. you know like that was a tight move, but then they disbanded, right? So, yeah, didn't yeah.
0: Quite well. That was the thing. They 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 you know, and I respect the shit out of them from turning down all those deals. Like that's not, but at the same time, like they ultimately had to destroy themselves.
1: Yeah. Because uh, there was no other there, but there is like. You know, I think that the the thing is though they they wanted it to end for probably a number of reasons. Mm-hmm. I think they could have turned down Epitaph and like the hype that they had had, and just like the fact that their music was like on point and that everybody was fucking with them. They could have done it. They just it probably just would have been a lot of energy and not the type of energy that they all wanted to spend. You know, like yeah. but I think it's fully possible if anyone wants to, you know, like see like some i don't know some widespread success outside of the corporate system it's fully there's enough little avenues i think maybe i'm being too optimistic again i don't know (laughs) (laughs) but uh i don't know like uh i guess i you know i'm not one to talk because i had an album that was distributed by a major and i was also signed to another little major that got shelved but whatever (laughs) <laughs> well, and
0: I'm not one to talk because like, you know, my, all my music's sold on iTunes, you know, like, yeah, exactly. and
1: I, and, exactly. you know, my band has it on iTunes.
0: Yeah. My band has a yeah. Facebook page, you know, I'm on Twitter. Yeah. Like, it's not like, it's not like, you know, The artists that we're talking about, when they were
1: like, I've opted out of the corporate world, they pretty much had opted out of the corporate world. Yeah. And you could. And you could at that point. Like, now it's like this too far gone. But maybe had they really, though. I mean, weren't they? Their CDs were still available in certain, like, corporate record stores, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And I guess even if you're pressing an album at a factory, that factory is run itself by a corporation and oftentimes might be owned by even a a major conglomerate you know like that it's really like no matter where you run into you're going to run into something that that like it's really hard to uh i mean i guess there's like uh, forget this fool's name matt something he's like a free jazz pianist out of new york Mm -hmm. and he was like into like a jazz family like both his parents played with like hella famous fools or whatever and so he kind of but he like He just, I guess apparently he's done this a couple of times where he's vowed never to record again and he just does live shows. And then it's just like, there's a purity to that, I guess. You just show up, you play, he plays just solo piano, free jazz, you know, like Cecil Taylor or whatever, Cecil Taylor. But uh, fucking, yeah, basically like, you know, there's, that I think is only sustainable. You just find, you find your lane and you do it. Like he found his lane, he was born into a jazz family, you know, like. And he's just like, Well, I'm gonna do this but in a in the purest way I, I feel is possible. And I, I fully respect you know, like maybe it's like a thing of like I know a fool down in Baja. This dude's from Louisiana originally, but then moved when he was a kid to Oakland actually. Um, hella old dude, like uh no offense to dude he would probably get mad if i said that <laughs> but uh,
0: 77
1: is that area like. slang with the hella makes it seem way uh, worse yeah. <laughs> yeah. well wow. yeah well he was he was in oakland he like went to high school with the panthers and them he's like wow. legendary type dude yeah and uh he he also plays like blues music like on an acoustic guitar you know just uh randomly at these like little restaurants in mexico you know and he you know, I guess he has some sort of, like, social security check or whatever, he just posts up at the, I think that's, like, a, the purest, you know, and it's, like, sure, nobody knows about dude in the same way that they know about Fugazi per se, but I don't know, like, at some point, you know, like, it's, it's like, it works for, it's, like, the people that are regulars at this restaurant and the tourists that come by and, you know, like, they, you know, they get, like, he he's a He's a real deal, like blues singer. Like the 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 songs are, like he pulls them off. Like they're really good. You know he plays well. He plays mostly. He has a couple originals, but he mostly just plays like standard blues. You know the standards, and I feel like there's probably literally like 50 million people like that on earth. You know, oh, yeah. Like, oh, definitely. <laughs> like amazing perfectly formed musicians that regularly play audiences that appreciate them that are more or less divorced from the larger music industry and nobody suffers for them not participating in that yeah but uh i guess we all suffer for not being able to hear his joints right now like oh i can't go on spotify senor ali but yeah i don't know maybe i'll put his shit out (laughs) no he probably wouldn't even want that as a thing like he, he's just I don't know.
0: And I think we don't, we don't necessarily understand as consumers now, like the real cost. Like I think one of the smartest things I've ever read in my life was that interview where you did, you did it years ago. And You talked about like wanting to do a McDonald's art installation in an art museum and pay people a living wage and pay like actual costs for like. You know, environmentally oh, yeah. sustainable food to make McDonald's food, but try and recreate it exactly, so people can see the real costs of what it costs to make this food, and how yeah. much it costs. And I think, like, same with with art and music now. Like, you 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 know, you want your artists to be in town all the time on them to come to to put up music for you but you don't necessarily know the cost like when you bought a cd and you bought a shirt from the the, the artist you loved i think mm-hmm. you knew the cost a little bit more but now it's just like free
1: on spotify yeah it's just but then again you guys like the cost of an eagles album to make versus the cost of like a you know a fugazi album to make is like yeah you know eagles probably what paid like probably like spent a million dollars on any one of their albums, you know? Mm -hmm. As Fugazi probably spent like five K tops, right? But I mean like
0: I don't I don't even necessarily like the actual monetary cost. I mean just even like time and like the time put put into it and
1: the effort. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Well I mean also just the fact that like an album could be worth ten bucks is like like sure, like music music is essentially free. You can make it and and sing it to anybody, right? (laughs) I guess then the cost is just like the production of the actual physical disc. But then like ten dollars, you could see it as like being outrageously high or you could see it as being outrageously low. It's like it's almost just completely meaningless as like like ten dollars for like the Bad Brains album. Mm-hmm. Like that's the time was like how could you that's worth like a million. Yep. <laughs> you know, yep. like yep. like so I don't know, uh I don't even know what we were talking about anymore. But. Well, I, think we're, I think we're just talking about real costs of things and like people Real costs. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, about that McDonald's thing, it was also, I wanted to take, uh, I wanted to basically say, say it was at the Guggenheim. Mm-hmm. Like, I find the McDonald's closest to the Guggenheim, and I go there and I poach all the McDonald's workers from there and be like, you want to work at this art McDonald's down the street, and you'll make as much hourly as the CEO of McDonald's makes hourly, which is, I think I did the math and it, it breaks down to like 500,000 an hour or maybe like a million an hour. I forget something like crazy like that. And then they'd be like, of course they take it, you know, like, here's all the paperwork. It's fully like a legal thing. We're getting funded by at so-and-so like we'll pay you, you know, like you work there for as long as the exhibit, which is like a month. And you walk away with like, you know, hundreds of, you know, like hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars or however much it added up to pretty much everyone at that McDonald's would probably take that. Right. Mm-hmm. I'll assume. Mm-hmm. And maybe you sweeten the deal for the people that are like, nah, I'm a manager here. I really was like, all right, well, we'll, we'll, we'll like place you in a job afterwards or something, you know, like yeah. you really do it. So you poach every last fool at that McDonald's and then you put them in there. And then, you know, like, the whole thing also, you know, because so much of uh, art is just, like, just the transference of money from one hand to another. Like, I kind of got inspired by Tino Segal. You know that fool? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Well, Only just like right name, but yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, he, m- all of his art is, um, or the most of it. And I think all of it nowadays, at least, is physical, like, there's no physical thing about it. It's just people that have been hired to tra- train to either perform a dance or perform a script or ask a series of questions. It's all like just people trained actors basically, um, in a, in a empty gallery. So you walk into the gallery and you're not sure who the trained actor is. Someone comes up to you. So then it's like people start conversations with each other. Not sure if the, you know, like each one is like a different, yes, they're all party games, basically, you know? And, um, Uh, that really got me thinking because it's like he still gets paid (laughs) so it's like what's the money changing hands what is that and it just got me thinking on like you know he gets paid a lot that fools in the guggenheim for example too or like you know uh and like a lot of these artists get paid a lot for like it almost is like you're held in higher esteem for doing the less least amount to get paid it's like it seems like almost almost the surefire formula not quite obviously there's a lot of artists that do a bunch or you know a lot of artists that have like 20 fools working for them to do a bunch of work or blah blah but i mean so much of art to me i thought like a crucial like linchpin of the of the art world was like this sort of like massive like just overvaluing things to the point where you're ballooning value into this thing that's like a cartoon that people look at even the concept of value it's like a meditation on and i guess that's just like the nature of like when you put art in the same room as capital and it always was i guess because it's like art well not always was but it came to be i guess through whatever you know you want to call it the renaissance or whatever but even before that i guess like medieval you know at a certain point art went from a thing that people just did cathartically and they still do cathartically but it gets, like, coded into this other system of, you know, arbitrary value, basically, like, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm getting a little too abstract now, but... No, I
0: understand what you're saying, I definitely. Like, I, I, I think, like, you know, like, well, I, I think that's... uh. But I, I think everything is like that. Like, all of life yeah. is, like, pro-wrestling in the sense that it's a hustle that you're trying to get people to give up their money for something. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, but I, I just think, like, the thing is... You know, like even like a, I don't know, but I think the thing is like how much do things actually cost us? Like how much of these things, like, yeah. you know, like, if you yeah, how buy
1: much, a, go yeah, on. how much would a McDonald's burger that was done in a way that like, that was fair to everybody or a pair of running shoes, you or know, a pair that were of running, fair running to, anything.
0: Yeah, exactly. It would be, it would be amazing to kind of see like, you know, so we know like, I, I, you know, Walmart, like people are constantly like, ah, uh, like how to get rid of Walmart. It's like, we well, don't go, but people are just seduced by the values constantly. Yeah.
1: But, I mean, instead of how do you get rid of Walmart, how do you just make it so everybody who works at Walmart owns an equal share of Walmart? Because the buildings are already there. Just get rid of the fools that own Walmart. Or, like, force them into a position where they must pay a living wage at the very least. And if if not, more than a living wage. Because Walmart makes that much money. Everybody in Walmart should be benefiting from that. But very few people in Walmart actually benefit from that. So it's like you don't have to, like, get rid of Walmart per se. You just make you know, you look at the structures around you, you look at these factories, they're unfair factories. Maybe some of them do need to be destroyed because like they're too cramped or the conditions are not enough windows, not enough air, et cetera. But some of them are like, okay, this factory could probably work on green energy and everyone here that works at this factory could get paid like way, way more or just be assured a rent-free place to live and like be assured free food, you know, like yeah. the unit, be assured uh, education, et cetera. Maybe people want to work at the factory, too, Visit their, or, you know, eventually robots be working at all the factories anyway. Yeah. Or you're like, what things do we have? Do we not need to make anymore so we don't need all these factories? But some people, you're always going to find, if like, if something is mass produced, there's going to be a lot of fools. Sorry, I'm walking up a hill now. I'm it's like, fine.
0: <laughs> I thought you were getting super gonna... impassioned and you're like out of breath from like thoughts going to your head too quickly.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I'm actually, <laughs> no, I'm fully like. For some reason, I was, like, started pacing, and then I, like, walked down the stairs, and I'm, like, well I'm, like, staying at this Airbnb and out in, like, a uh, Point Richmond, and this shit is, like, this hill is huge, man. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I've been, like, carrying this baby up the hill, too. I still haven't got used to it, man. <laughs> Do you have the but, baby uh, with you right now? Huh? No, no, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> Yo, that would be crazy. Yeah. I'll be...
0: <laughs> The only time in my life I've talked, I've spoken to Chuck D on the phone. I got interviewed one time, me and him at the same time, and I had my crying son with me the whole time. That's what's up. Uh, yeah, uh,
1: yeah, that shit. No wonder he's never called me back. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like Chuck D don't mess with don't mess with me. I'm not sure. Uh, i I've, I've always been a big fan, but I feel like he found uh, Dash Racist to be too ignorant or something, which I would even Oh, agree. really? Yeah, we had, yeah. like, a, our manager for a time was his publicist. And okay. I remember, and, and KRS-1s, actually. Wow. And I remember she said, I was like, did you ever play our shit for him? And she kind of, like, gave an answer, like, neither of them fuck with you. <laughs> and I was like, I was hella sad, actually.
0: Well, and I it think- was like... You know, I, I didn't want to – sorry, go on, please. I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm sorry about
1: no, that. No, I mean it was just like one of those moments where I'm like, I got to quit. this
0: <laughs> Well, it's funny because like I think the – the almost like you're like – Das Races might be the only group in history that under-delivered on their first super popular single. Like you guys had so <laughs> oh, much yeah. more to offer than combination indicated in like – Oh, yeah, yeah. And I remember, like, hearing. I remember the Mishka record came out after I'd heard that song, and I'm like, "What? A whole record of these guys? <laughs> what could this possibly? What be, could right? this be? <laughs> like, you know, like a whole like like I'm thinking this is going to be like like uh like like some like weird novelty thing.
1: Like I don't know what it's going to be. Like twenty six
0: odd tracks. Like, it was a long record too. There's like a lot of tracks on like, nineteen yeah. tracks or
1: something. Yeah, we even got rid of some tracks on that record, I'm pretty sure, man. You cool. just, yeah. But then,
0: like, you hear it, and you're like, oh, it's actually, there's actually substance to this group. There's actually, like, there's actually something going on. Yeah. It's not
1: Yeah, I can't even this. believe, yeah. I, like, I can't even believe that any of that shit happened, actually, to be quite frank with you, man. Like, <laughs> I was like, what? But then it was like, oh, okay, we can make a whole album now. All right, tight. Yeah. We are already kind of on our way there anyway. We were just like... But I guess it's it's kind of weird to like go back and think of a time like where I was even I don't know man. Well, there were a lot of bands and a lot of groups around that time that had songs like not
0: exactly like it, but it had songs like that, like like kind of like these like weird like internet breakout songs. Yeah, definitely. Like, and the, you guys were a collection of actually like gifted writers, <laughs> so
1: you could. Uh, like... You know what though? I feel like to even undersell, say, like I'm trying to think of like. Like, Ninja Sonic had another one so similar to that, that was, like, tight pants wearing ass nigga, that was, like, the same kind of thing. Yeah. And then, like, the A track and Duck Sauce or whatever, and LMFAO. Yeah. And you say, say take LMFAO, like, Ninja Sonic, of course, they went on to put out, like, a lot of crazy and fully influential, like, amazing music, actually. Yeah. But, uh, and, like, LMFAO, they'd make a bunch of, like, kind of corny pop stuff, whatever. Like, we did a show with them even now, but they were actually, honestly, the
0: group I was thinking of when I, when I, I was trying to remember what they were called when I heard combination, uh, uh, KF. Yeah. and I'm like, I'm like, oh, it's like this kind of band. Well, <laughs> it must be doing like the sort of So are topic. they, are they actually, is there more going you on? You know, they
1: obviously are talented musicians and they, they, they probably have like serious ideas that they want to, and it's just, they got trapped in the image that made them the most money, you know? Yeah. And it was yeah. like... And they, they probably don't even care, you know? like you know, maybe one they of the do guys is super like, depressed, you know, like, right? Like, couldn't do music oh, anymore. Oh, where? Well, yeah. whatever. He'll get over it, man. I feel like they... <laughs> I feel like these fools, like, could make a good album if they want to. And they just, like, some somehow, like, got lost doing whatever, whatever. Or maybe they've made good albums that just no one ever wants to put out because it would fuck with their... You know? Like, I'm <laughs> yeah. sure... You know, like it's like I've kicked it with enough fools that make music, and they'll play me hell of shit that's like hell of good. Like you just got albums of good ass shit, and like they're like, well, I can't really put this out because my, la-, you know, like it's every fucking band has that. Like every, you know, the guitarist of this or that band's like side project. Like it's like so much good music that like just the music industry is just like now's not the time, and it just yeah. never comes out. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I guess that's what always bugged me about like. Relationships with like major labels or any anyone that was officially you know a major label like not even a major label I mean, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. even an too. indie label yeah. like everybody's too scared to do anything because they're like if this doesn't if this isn't the best shit ever and everybody fucking loves it the second it comes out is garbage it's like no bro if it's good it's good it'll fucking last you just keep moving forward like why fucking hide music from the world like it's like that's not how yeah, that so shit works. He, more yeah
0: no you're right exactly and it's like you know if, if people said that about the stooges and the velvet underground we wouldn't have you know punk music now
1: <laughs> of course man yeah fucking yeah <laughs> or, de- or
0: like that's probably what happened to death
1: you know like that's why we exactly get to
0: appreciate this band till way later
1: yeah well i mean but i guess you know i guess uh i guess whatever technology probably it's already happening that people you know just everyone gets more prolific i feel like if you wanted to even do like a Study, I'm sure statistically it'd be proven that just as time goes by, prolific, you know, prolificness amongst artists rises just due to the technology gap being closed a little. But, um, yeah, well I don't even know we we're talking about the McDonald's thing, but kind of got well, off track. We got <laughs> off track, but don't
0: worry. That's what this whole podcast is all about. All right. Um, that's what's up. Uh, I like I, I, I as I say I can talk to you all day, but I think I should probably let you go and, and let you get on with your life. Um, yeah,
1: yeah, I got it. I got some thanks, but do, dude, but,
0: yeah, uh, coolity. Thank you so much, and I will. Uh, I would love to have you back for multiple parts in the future, and hopefully, you can meet up in person yeah, and do it sure. next time.
1: But uh, thanks for coming on the show, man. Yeah, definitely, man. I'll holler when I'm in Toronto.
0: Thank you, Cool AD, and of course he will be back for future episodes. As you can hear right there, we got a lot more to get to. We didn't even get to, we didn't get to the start of Das Racist. We didn't get to Das Racist breaking up. We didn't even get to the present day. You know, we got a lot more to get to. So he's going to be back for more parts in the future. Uh, Next week on the show, speaking of future, it's someone else that I've been trying to get on the show for a long time, and finally made it happen. Next week on the show, Wes from Cold Cave and American Nightmare, a very re- requested guest for the show, someone that I very much wanted to have a chance to sit down and talk to. And believe me, it's amazing. It lives up to all the expectations I had for uh, what this would be like, and then some. So I think you're in for a good one next week. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Once again, anyone can do this shit. So go out there and make your own culture, and uh, you know, find find a way to to exist, find a way to to resist, and find a way to just you know, just just survive for the you know, survive out there, everyone. Uh, fuck Nazis. Also, you can't say that enough. Fuck all the Nazis. Fuck all the white supremacists. Fuck the homophobes. Fuck the Islamophobes. Fuck the misogynist, you know, like, you you shouldn't have to say it in 2017, but you kind of have to right now. So, fuck them, you know, fuck them all. If they're listening, don't listen. That's all you you can have to say, you know. This isn't for them. This is for the rest of us. So, anyone who is enjoying this right now, finding some sort of a solace in this, uh, thank you very much. And I will see you next week.